0: Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about a new phenomenon that we've noticed. And first of all, we'd like to say that We Hold These Truths is not about being Republicans or Democrats. We're about peace. And one concern is the Zionist movement. We've talked about this for years. And at the core of this movement, it's all about supporting war in the Middle East. And this has been done by successive wars against Islamic states since January 1991, when the Christian Zionist movement led the push to bomb Kuwait. It wasn't called Christian Zionism at the time. WHTT has
1: opposed Christian Zionism because it supports these wars, sometimes within the churches without people really understanding why, but it offers an excuse for a bias against Muslims. And this is why we have twice traveled Lynchburg, Virginia, where Jerry Falwell, when he was still alive, to hold vigils and to make appeals for peace to students at Liberty University,
0: Liberty University has popped up again in the news, and you'll be hearing about that later yes, now there's as we mentioned earlier, there's a new, more radical Zionist movement afoot inside the structure of organized Christianity, and we first noted this at the demonstration we held in Colorado recently here at the Israel Summit Stand Firm, and we'll talk more about this. And we're going to call this new phenomena, instead of Christian Zionism, we're going to call it Messianic Judaism. We could call it Messianic Christian Zionism, but Messianic Judaism is short for what we're talking about here and why this is dangerous to freedom and uh, hopes for peace particularly in the Middle East. And Jerry Faldwell, John Hagee, and other Christian Zionists have changed the way Christians view successive serial wars against Muslims. They have made killing acceptable if we kill infidels practicing Islam. They justify this on their belief that Israel owns the land given to them by God 3,000 years ago. But Messianic Judaism goes a step further. They would change basic Christianity
1: into a Zionist-leaning branch of Judaism, usually with a Jewish leader in the congregation. Instead of being sympathetic to Palestinians, the Messianic-Judaist churches cultivated culture from former Christians acting out the part of uh, cultural Jews. One recently met is Reuben Driven Stott of Denver, Colorado, who runs a Messianic church here. We'll get into talking about him later.
0: Any comments that you'd like to add in here? This is Glenn. I was just curious if there's any of these Messianic Christians who are more Christian than Judaic. But are they Jewish and they become Christian? Is there any such thing as that?
1: Absolutely, Glenn. That's a really good question because the Messianic churches are generally made up of people who consider them themselves to be Christ-followers. And they uh, go into the comfort of, the, of this church and they begin to follow practices such as holidays, Jewish holidays. And so they pick up these practices, and little by little, the leaders who are uh, usually very, very bright and knowledgeable about Zionism tend to lead them in the direction of Judaism so yes, you have all kinds of mixtures in these churches, from people who just came in the door and have no idea what's really happening to people who are very committed. We'll talk a little bit more about this uh, particular pastor here in, in Colorado
0: uh, a little bit later, but that's a good question. Okay, but most of them on the whole then are, are Zionist leaning then. I think that's a hard question to answer, because most of them, from my own experience, I know the person with a messianic Christian organization in our church, and I've actually been in some of her classes uh, years ago and and they they hold satyrs and so forth, and so one of the courses they teach is the Jewish roots of Christianity, so they always encounter it in the Old Testament. And just like Chuck said, they've got the trappings, the satyrs and these kind of uh, Jewish events. And most people, I think all this flies over their head. It kind of flew over my head 12, 15 years ago when I was sitting in these classes. So many people just basically go along with it. But this particular ministry is decidedly biased towards Israel. And so you see that in everything they do They basically give lip service to the Palestinians, for example. They say they need Christ. Well, what about the Palestinian Christians? The treatment of the Palestinian Christians is deplorable. So they have a blinded eye towards these kinds of things. And so the people that are in these classes, for the most part, have not a clue. They're not going to hear the other side of the story about uh, what's happening to the Palestinians, it's always the Israeli side. So that's what's the dangerous thing, that most of these people consider themselves followers of Christ and would argue with you till kingdom come. And, of course, they would consider uh, somebody like myself as not really being a follower of Christ because I'm not in step with supporting Israel. I think this was very well explained by Caesar Aharon, a former Jew who converted to Christianity, and he explained the Messianic movement over 10 years ago, actually, and we have a very interesting podcast, and we'll have a link to it. It's called The Judaizing Elements of the Messianic Movement, and I think it's worth listening to to get a better understanding of this phenomena. So it's been around for a number of years, and like we said, it's it's taking a, a softer approach than the John Hagee Christian Geniah for Israel approach that we have seen that even turns people off. This is an approach that's trying to say that they're going to convert Jews to Christianity. I think we'll get into that a little bit later.
1: Some time ago, I had a debate with a Messianic Christian pastor. His name is Ruben Drubenstadt. Ruben runs a big church, and he's been doing it for 30 years. And Jewish, but he says he is converted to Jesus, but he's still Jewish. So when you question him about his Judaism, he, he absolutely insists that your Judaism is essentially to be, in order to be a Christian. The big difference, and, and of course, uh, the Christians who then come into his congregation uh, are told this, and, and they're except, expected to become uh, fluent, at least in Jewish trappings, if not in Jewish practices. The big difference, a Christian pastor influenced by Zionism will quote, untruths that have been told to him. This can be a pastor of any of our churches. They can spiel off untruths about Palestine, untruths about Israel, untruths about Islam, and not know they're lying. But the Messianic pastors sell their stories very artfully and knowledgefully and cleverly. They know exactly what they're doing. Christ followers must make a personal mission to correct the Zionist-leaning pastors and friends since nothing will bring about change so fast. Now, when I was talking to Ruben Drubenstadt, he admitted to being a dedicated Zionist, and he said that he had simply found Christ along with his Judaism. And he's typical of hundreds of such pastors and elders that uh, we, now, we now are beginning to find, uh, not only in our own individual churches, which they call Messianic churches, but as Tom pointed out, carrying on activities within sometimes large, usually evangelical churches like uh, the one Tom belongs to, where there's actually a a Zionist group functioning inside of the church. Now, Rubenstatt, of course, ignores all humanity of the Palestinians. He does not cut them any slack for having any rights whatsoever. And uh, he bases this on biblical claims. He goes back into biblical arguments about how the, the Palestinians are without any claim whatsoever. And and then they have very glib stories they tell you about the Palestinians were actually imported after the European Jews took over Israel. Uh, One of the things that uh, Ruben told me was that kind of proves the point is that he was, I I asked him uh, how he as a Christian felt about the uh, Israelis bombing the Palestinians and killing 2,000 of them with missiles in the last raid. How did that strike the Christian side of him? What would Jesus say about that? His answer had absolutely nothing to do with my question. He said, well, the Palestinians shoot missiles too. And I said, no, you're uh, mistaken there. I I hope you're mistaken. the Palestinians don't have missiles, they shoot rockets. That's why they hardly ever hit anything. And that's why the number of people killed is, is nominal. So then he proceeded to tell me that I was in there because there's a certain dictionary that defines a missile is any projectile that's a through the air. And that would include a rock from a slingshot. So he was prepared to defend his argument that the Palestinians shoot missiles at the Israelis by giving me a phony definition out of some dictionary that could have been written 500 years ago, I suppose. This is the kind of things you can expect when you talk to Messianic Christian or
0: Messianic Jewish leaders.
1: They are very artful liars, and they do it on purpose. They intend
0: to do it. Now we can talk a little bit about the Christian right, if you will, primarily Republicans. There's an interesting poll that was done by, that has been done by the Pew Research from 1978 all the way till 2014. They asked the question in the dispute between Israel and Palestinians, Who do you sympathize with more? In 1978, 45% of the respondents said that they sympathize with Israel and 14% with Palestinians. The rest didn't know, or they said both or neither. interesting thing, in 2014, those favoring Israel went to 51%, while the Palestinians still only received 14%. Now what's really interesting is by party. So in 1978, Democrats and Independents were about 44, 45% sympathizing with Israel, and the Republican Party was 49%. In 2014, the Independents and Democrats were still in the 44, 45% range. However, Republicans, 73% had their sympathies with Israel. So we can see that with the rise of the Christian right. And, and an example of this is Senator uh, Ted Cruz from Texas, who recently was quoted in the Financial Times. This was a quote from Cruz I believe in the power of millions of courageous conservatives to reignite the promise of America, unquote. He told students at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. Quote, that is why today I'm announcing that I am running for the president of the United States, unquote. And so that there's the connection back to Liberty University, Chuck.
1: Yeah, and evangelical, uh, in that poll, evangelicals uh, remain a force in U- U.S. Uh, politics. And the poll uh, quoted by Financial Times was from the Pew Research Foundation, which is a very good and steady poll take. They're very consistent about what they poll. And in the 2014 midterm election, about 26% of the voters identified themselves as white evangelicals or born-again Christians, which the Poll Foundation considered that to be synonymous. And uh, nearly 8 of 10 of them voted Republican. So there's a, a, a very powerful bias that's developed toward the Israeli side that has been fostered largely in churches to a large degree that is very consistently supporting Ted Cruz or just about anybody who will take a position that is uh, pro-Israel. I'd I'd like to jump in on on that too, Chuck. I watched the uh, Netanyahu speech, and then the Democrat who boycotted the, the speech spoke afterwards. And I was totally disheartened by the Democrats all of them who spoke, all of them support, said they supported Israel. They just were upset that Boehner didn't include them in the decision-making process. Not one of the Democrats that spoke said anything negative about Israel, their atrocities, anything at all. They just were upset about the political uh,
0: bantering and how it works. But they, they all supported Israel as well.
1: So that's a very good point, and that just simply shows that congressmen and the voters in the field don't necessarily have the same sentiments because you have a much more fair constituency than you do representatives, don't you think? Oh, exactly. You take a poll among Democrats, they wouldn't support Israel as much as the Republicans do, that's for sure. No, that's for sure. At our recent vigil at uh, Resurrection Fellowship in Loveland, we encountered this. There was a large contingency there from Israel. It was a three-day session, and that's something we're not used to. It went on for three days, and it was very intense. It was sold out. Pastor Jonathan Wiggins, uh, Resurrection Fellowship, I got to know him a little bit. And we've written about that, and we have a, a story about that vigil that we did there. But the thing that impressed us was the changing rhetoric that was going along from the speakers who were, of course, Zionists from Israel. But they developed a new, softer approach. And instead of condemning the Palestinians... They indicated how fair and kind Israel was, but they simply never recognized them as people. They simply ignored the Palestinians as even, for instance, the million, I guess, million and a half, who are actually citizens of Israel were never mentioned. And, of course, the three and a half or maybe four million who are basically prisoners were never mentioned at all. As best we could tell from studying the speakers, the commentaries about the speakers, We didn't go to all the talks or to, uh, we heard a couple, but we didn't go to most of them. The uh, speakers were very consistent in going out of their way to being kind and seemingly generous and benign and benevolent toward the Palestinians, however, never really recognizing them as people and simply uh, talking about the need to support Israel's demands and requirements. So we sense this changing going on. And it's putting people like John Hagee maybe in the background, little by little. Hagee, of course, these people are tremendously important because they're virulent and their size and the money they've raised. But I think it seems that the wise people in the state of Israel who are trying to end the Palestinian issue in, in whatever way they have in mind have decided that they need to be less out front about what they're going to do to the Palestinians.
0: We should talk about one of the the major significant things that came out of this Israel Summit Stand Firm that Chuck just talked about was the announcement of a new ministry entitled Fellowship of Israel Related Ministries. Now, it's located in Israel, and according to charismanews.com, Firm, as it is called, Leadership, which includes 20 pastors and the endorsement of Reverend Billy Graham's daughter, Anne Graham Lotz, intends to raise global support for Israel from cheerleading to action. And then, as Chuck mentioned, they had several Messianic Jews that were involved there. And you can learn about those in some of our other reports.
1: Excuse me, Tom, for interrupting. Who they call Messianic Christians. Yes. We, we've, we've kind of switched their terminology, but the terminology they would use, Messianic Christian.
0: Well, yes, because now they are promoting. That's one of the things that's a little bit uh, disconcerting, according to this article from the Daily Beast. About It's entitled, Meet Bibi's New Tribulation, Courting, Jew Converting, Demon Exercising American Allies. And they're going to be talking about another organization, quote, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has been one of the most beloved Israeli politicians in the history of Christian Zionism. It has been a religio-political match made in heaven with Christian right leaders providing Netanyahu with money in Israel and political clout in the U.S. and the Israeli leader putting up with evangelical end-times theology. But while Netanyahu is Still in office, his Christian Zionist dance partners have changed. They no longer adhere to the fantastical but generally passive end times theology from which Christian Zionism emerged. Today's Christian Zionists hail from apostolic and prophetic movements such as the New Apostolic Reformation, NAR, a demon-haunted new generation of American Religio-politics, which may change the terms of the American-Israeli right-wing partnership in the bargain. It was Jerry Falwell who brokered the unlikely political partnership between American fundamentalists and Israeli politicians during the administration of Menachem Begin, the founder of the Likud party.
1: The leading thinker of the NAR, C. Peter Wagner, stated NPR in 2011. That the nuclear meltdown at Fukushima, which is in Japan, of course, results in the Japanese empires having sex with the sun goddess. That there is a lot of demonic, he, he, this is a quote, there's a lot of demonic control in Congress, and the demons can possess our entire cities as well. That it's important to cast spells to protect politicians from witchcraft, and that non-Christian religions are really part of the kingdom of darkness all in one hour with uh, Terry Gross, is the quote. So you see this neo-movement is taking in bizarre uh, characteristics of its own, but it is quieting down the fanatical rhetoric of people like John Hagee who actually pray for
0: war. Great. Any other thoughts or comments? Uh, This is Glenn. I think the occultic thing that we haven't, to my recollection, talked about, but I think
1: that's a huge part in what's happening all around, and I'm glad you talked about that a little bit. Yes, and seems to be uh, cropping up there, and of course it has an appeal in a lot of the evangelical churches. So I I would kind of wrap this up to say that Israel's effort, or the Zionist effort to control American politics, uh, of course, has started very, very early, way back in the days of Schofield, before Schofield and the days of Herzl, the herzl 1895 on, uh, there were concerted efforts in the United States to sell Zionism. Uh, there was a American Zionist Association all during the 1930s, 20s, 40s. Uh, there have been very powerful movements that have had political control that we didn't know about, and uh, that has uh, gradually worked its way into the churches. The first phase of it, of course, was the simple church that looked upon Israel favorably because of uh, Genesis 12, that God gave the land supposedly to Israel. Israel adopted that name when they took over the land 3,000 years later, so they capitalized on the benefit of the name. And from there it went to the actual development of organizations which were literally sponsored by with Israeli money operating in the United States. And uh, these organizations ended up with Jerry Falwell's Christians United for Israel. Now it's morphing into a broader thing. And as Glenn pointed out, is even showing elements of Satanism and other forms of weird religious studies. So we're simply seeing the follow-through of this effort to control America's grassroots by controlling a large section of the Christian church. And Israel is smack in the middle of it. We're not against Israel. We're against war. And Israel, of course, is leading the charge all along the way. So uh, here we are exposing this connection, and we'll go on and continue to do that.
0: Thanks for listening.